know the power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello, welcome along to Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie. And on this episode, we are looking at Dakota Johnson's latest movie, The High Note. We're also going to be discussing the Netflix sensational hit that is The Queen's Gambit, that kind of pretty much encouraged half the world to go off and buy a chessboard for themselves. But first up, we're going to be looking at a new movie from Pete Doctor and Kemp Powers, who, of course, have brought us so many animation classics down through the years. The latest film from Disney is Soul. But first up, joined as always by Lisa Tracy. Hello, Lisa. Good evening, Gary. And hello, Dave. How are you? I'm good. Hi, everybody. So Soul, basically a New York jazz pianist, suddenly finds himself trapped in a strange land between Earth and and the afterlife and it kind of reminds me at the start of inside out how it's just it's not like the disney movies of years ago which were very straightforward they had an a to z in the storyline they're getting more complex <laughs> but still special in their own way lisa you love disney mm-hmm. we'll go to you first what did you make of soul well what's not to like about soul because i mean the music the whole philosophy element to it you know I'm only messing I didn't actually like it I'm sorry I'm really mean you know it's just it's just it was too okay. much so so give them the, the, the basic storyline of soul so basically there's a mu- music teacher in a middle school or a high school or whatever he's in um he wants to be a jazz musician and he gets his big break and just as he's getting his big break um he's meant to go to a gig that night and then he falls down a hole and then he dies but he doesn't really die because he is in the afterworld place and he gets mm. on the wrong well he he runs back the escalator or whatever and manages to get into kind of like a a different version of the afterlife where he actually gets to come pre-life where he gets to come back. Um, I have to say the only thing I love, no, no, I I don't hate the movie. It's not really bad, but it just, there's a lot of thinking, you know, about the afterlife and all that kind of stuff and philosophy, not, not too much, but just, I was like, Oh God, I have to think in this movie. Oh no damn but the music is in in it is brilliant the acting jimmy fox is great uh tina fey is pretty good um then you have like graham norton's in it and mm. richard ayawadi's in it and very well done as always with pixar but that's what you expect but i just thought it was just there was a bit too much for me having to think a little bit sorry i maybe i just wasn't in the mood for it that evening but you know it's hard at the moment to watch serious stuff because we just really need that escapism yeah. dave did you find it a life lesson on how we need to live? Uh, not really, because I'm not 12, you know, and I've kind of figured <laughs> out how to live beyond my age, you know. Um, I kind of agree with Lisa on some respects that it it's a bit more cerebral than it should be. Like, no offense to Disney Pixar, but they, they kind of have simple allegorical stories for kids, you know, about being brave or following your heart or whatever it may be. But, you know... This is a bit over the top in terms of complexity of, you know, destiny and choice. And it's quite, you know, existential in its themes. And the plot is good. It's 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 interesting. But I don't know if it fits in the genre of a kid's animated movie, because obviously you think of Pixar, you know, the the target audience is kids. 
they try and make them clever enough so that the parents who often get dragged to the cinema to see these movies are not bored. Um, and this one, I think, just misses the demographic mark a little bit. I enjoyed it. It's it's a good movie. The animation is superb, as usual, what you expect from Pixar. The characters are good. I thought it was a little bit strange that they cast Tina Fey as this young soul. I mean, Tina Fey plays a character called 22, which is the 22nd soul ever made in the world. and But she never actually went down to Earth because she was bored or she didn't find her thing. And that's part of the plot. And why would you cast a middle-aged woman as a child, essentially? You know what I mean? I just thought the casting was a little off. Not she's very good in it. Her voice is good, but it just didn't work. Jamie Foxx is brilliant as this middle school teacher, and Graham Norton is wonderful as Moonwind. But yeah, I kind of agree with Lisa. It didn't. It just missed the mark a little bit for me. Um, I mean, it's not it's not a bad movie by any manner of means. It's a, it's a good movie, but it just missed the mark for me a little bit. And do you think they're pushing for this old waterworks thing where the they're really trying to pull at the heartstrings? I don't know why people cried at this. I was like, yeah, okay, so yeah, but he had died at the start of the movie. So what were they expecting? You know, you can't cheat death. We've learned that from Final Destination 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. I mean, honestly, Gary, you know, you can't force these things. To get an audience to tear up, you have to earn it. Um, and I think I think this one was trying to push it that way a bit too much. But it's wrapped up in comedy and it's, I don't know, it's just, you know, this disembodied soul. So one soul, like Tina Fey's character ends up in his body on planet Earth and he ends up in the body of a cat and they're trying to do this body comedy body swap thing in the middle of it. And it's, you know, it's... I didn't find it personally give me any emotional grab at all. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, Lisa, out of 10 for Soul? I'm going to say five, basically okay. just because the animation and the music. And Dave? I'm going to be a little bit more generous than that. I'm going to give it like a six and a half because it has merit. And, you know, it might resonate with some people, Um but it's 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 not a bad movie at all. It's it's a good movie. It's, you know, entertaining, well made, uh, but just a little bit off the mark from Pixar's usual kind of eights, nines, and potential tens. So six and a half for me. Okay, so that is Soul currently available on Disney Plus as they uh, expand their content at the moment. Let's move on now to a. TV show, no, yeah, it is a TV show, isn't it? It is. It's a miniseries. Yeah. It's Queen's Gambit, mm-hmm. and it's on Netflix. And I caved in to watch it when I heard so many people just raving about it, saying it's brilliant because I know nothing about chess, and I didn't think I would find it interesting whatsoever. But from episode one, I was hooked. Dave, we'll go to you first, uh, and we have to warn Lisa that Dave and I are savoring the final episode of The Queen's Gambit, which we're going to watch tonight. And I don't know, Dave, are you like me, but I'm kind of holding off because I know once I watch the episode, that's the end of the journey of The Queen's Gambit for me. But there's a season yeah. two. No, oh, is there? it's a, it's a limp. Yeah. Is there really a season two, Lisa? I'm nearly 100% they're talking about a season two. Okay, well, so it doesn't wrap up at the end then? No. Spoiler's not easy now. Maybe. I'd... I would definitely remember when all the hype was going on, there was all this talk about, ooh, season two of The Queen's Gambit. But maybe they haven't got all the everything sorted out for a season two yet. 
Well, I mean, I remember when I when I clicked on it on Netflix, I thought, you know, I was like, oh, it says it said li- it says limited series, which I take to mean that it's a mini series, as in it's finite, oh. it's one season of seven episodes or whatever it is. So that that intrigued me straight away because I do like the fact that people are brave enough to tell a story, not hmm, how do I turn my story into a cash cow and get everybody addicted to it and milk it and get 10 years work out of it, which is fair enough. But I don't think that should be the initial motivation for a storytelling. But same as you, Gary. I mean, uh, you said you don't play, you don't know chess or you don't play chess or anything like that. I'm sure mm. it'll come as no surprise that I do play chess. Uh, and I'm not a grand master, or anything, but I, I like to play chess and I have a nice chess set. And I was skeptical about this. I was like, yeah, come on. The last time there was a, interesting chess scene in a movie was uh the thomas crown affair and you know uh i was skeptical but as you said from the moment this film starts the cinematography the the the, it's it's cinematic as in it's it should it should be a a film it should be enjoyed in the cinema in terms of the 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 way it's shot the way it's uh, framed the style the production design is exquisite. The costumes are exquisite. I know we talked about production design and costumes last week for Bridgerton. This film mm. is, ama- this series is amazing. The lovely shallow depth of field, the color palette, the cinematographer did a fabulous job. And um, the character, uh, you know, the lead character played by Anna Taylor-Joy of Beth Harmon. She's a magical character. Wonderful character arc. Amazing performance. It's riveting. This show is excellent. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and don't forget as well, we have Sam from Love Actually <laughs> playing another <laughs> US champion <laughs> as Benny Watts. Yeah, up a bit uh, and least... I, th- I, th- I think the mustache must be stuck on. <laughs> Doesn't suit <laughs> He's 12. Lisa, what did you make of The Queen's Gambit? And maybe just give listeners who haven't seen it yet an overall idea of what it is, because it's not all about chess. No. Definitely not. I love okay. to do the synopsis on this one. I really want to. Okay, Go ahead. okay. You can do the high note, Lisa. Lucky you, okay? Oh, great. Woo-hoo. <laughs> okay, Dave, give it to us. So it's a story of this uh, girl, Beth Harmon, who is made an orphan at a young age. And we have some flashbacks, very, very well done, stylized flashbacks of how she gets orphaned. Her mother dies, and we don't really get much detail about her father. And she's traumatized by this. She's sent off to this orphanage a Catholic orphanage, very straight laced, but it's, it's in the, you know, fifties uh, in America. And, um, they, they used to literally give the children, uh, sedation. So she becomes addicted to these, uh, sedatives and it kind of unlocks her genius. And she's down in the basement one day cleaning dusters from her class. And she meets this, the, the custodian, the handyman playing chess. So he introduces her to chess. Turns out she's a master at chess. She's just got this brain for chess. She's a chess genius. She's a very shy, awkward, socially awkward girl. And she finds a part of her life in chess. So she grows up a little bit. She gets adopted by this lady who has uh, some troubles of her own. But they form a good relationship. And then they fall on hard times because the husband leaves and whatnot. So the mother's like looking for money. And she realizes, oh, you can make money in chess tournaments. So... Uh, Beth goes off to learn how to be in a chess tournament full of men and she breaks into that world and she destroys them all. She's playing chess, like she's playing 10 of them at a time and it's amazing and she rises up through the ranks and becomes US champion and then she's going around the world as a chess um, prodigy and she's still very young, even up to, you know, early 20s and she struggles with 
alcohol addiction, pill addiction. And it's just a wonderful story of this girl in the world. How's that for a synopsis? Very good. Well done, you. Yeah, we were talking about the figures for it last week. 62 million household views in its first 28 days. And Anna Taylor Joy had actually no experience of playing chess prior to starring in this, which is pretty impressive because all the chess moves in it are supposed to be legit chess moves. Oh, they are. I can tell you. I'm watching and I'm like, wow. And even even the imagination to make a chess game visually exciting and enthralling is so well done. It's amazing. And obviously there's lots of chess games, um, but they're tied in with the dramatic element of the story and the interaction between people and power dynamics between this guy who's an asshole and she's trying to prove herself. And she, you know, it, it's so well done. It's so well done. So Lisa, Dave certainly loves it. I love it. What did you make of it? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was excellent. I started watching it uh, when it came out weeks and weeks and weeks ago, but it still stays with you. It's that kind of a movie or not movie. It's that kind of a series that uh, you just, you wouldn't mind going back to it. You have to leave it a while though, but you you wouldn't mind going back to it. I think that's the marker of a great series is one that you would rewatch. As an actress as well, I know she's up for a Golden Globe nomination. Like she's had a pretty strong run of success in the last mm. couple of years alone. I mean, she was in Peaky Blinders playing Gina Gray. She was also in Emma, where her biological mother in The Queen's Gambit is her sister in Emma, which is kind of weird. Oh. But she's loads of movies coming out that are already in post-production as well. I think everyone is going to want to see her next piece of work. Big time. One yeah, to watch. She's a, she's a natural movie star. She kind of evokes um, a young Audrey Hepburn for me in terms of the way she moves. Mm. and her elegance and obviously that ties in with you know the 60s element of this show and the style and the clothes but she's got this power you know the the kind of standard orphan awkward socially awkward child you kind of think they're going to be introverted but this girl is full of confidence internally and full of power and full of mischief and demons but they're all under the surface she's not and then there's moments where it comes out where she's dancing or she's seducing a man or she's having a drink or whatever. And then she kind of goes back to her normal reset. So her performance is amazing in this. And she's not to be get, focusing on the physical here, but she's a, a strikingly beautiful lady in a very unconventional, mesmerizing way. You know, she's not a playboy model, tall and, you know, curvy. She's elegant and slim and um, has a kind of a pixie face, you know, a very innocent face but yes you know there's mischief and power behind her so yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing her next uh, her next project the complexity of the different performances she gives i mean i was going to say the complexity of the different roles but i mean she has so many layers to the character that she performs is unreal which leads me to the next question do you think the queen's gambit would be the success that it is today if someone else had played the lead role definitely not well she was too good. You can't even imagine anybody else is in that role. I mean, it's like if you imagine Indiana Jones, nobody, we can't imagine Indiana Jones being played by anybody else but Harrison Ford. However, if you go back to before we knew Indiana Jones, Tom Selleck was about, was just about to get it, but he couldn't shave his mustache because the Magnum PI people wouldn't let him. And, uh, you know, these tiny little things. And then you have uh, Timothy Dalton got the James Bond gig because Pierce Brosnan had a similar situation. So, we don't know, but she played it so well. She embodied this. Now, Beth Harmon is not in the same league as Indiana Jones or James Bond, God forbid. However, this character is so well portrayed. 
that it's actually you're right, Gary. It's impossible to imagine another person playing her. And I think you're right. She does such a good job that she elevates the whole show to where it is now. And if a if a, a an actress of a lesser caliber played it, it might have been a damn squib by comparison. Best of luck to her in the Golden Globes. Certainly deserves an award there. But uh, we're all rooting for Wolf Walkers. You may recall back uh, before Christmas of last year, we had the writer of Wolf Walkers, Will Collins, joining us on the show. And great news announced there during the week that they've been nominated for Best Animated Motion Picture. And Brendan Gleeson also nominated for his portrayal of Trump in... Comey Rule. Comey Rule. He was amazing. And... I saw an interview, was it on Graham Norton, with that actual former head of, head of the FBI, James Comey, who said that Brendan Gleeson's performance of Trump was just spot on. No one has gotten it as exact as him. Wow. I don't know if you guys have seen the Comey rule, but it is superb. You, I mean, I'm a bit of a political animal, so I keep track of all this stuff in CNN in real life anyway. So I remember all of these things happening, but... Um, yeah, of course, the highlight of that show is Brendan Gleeson's performance as Donald Trump. He has the physical presence, the mannerisms, uh, the little, the tiny little mannerisms. Like we all have a Donald Trump uh, impression in us, you know. It's tremendous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, his is is the best. Uh, how shall I say? His is the best poker faced version. Like the Alec Baldwin version is tongue in cheek. It's a comedy slapstick, but. Nobody has done uh, like a, a straight-faced, you know, dramatic impersonation of Donald Trump better than Donald Gleeson or Brendan Gleeson, sorry. But back to the Queen's Gambit, out of 10, least stay, we let you go first. I'm going to give this, uh, I'm going to reserve my judgment a little bit on it because I haven't seen the final uh, uh, episode because I'm hoping for good things. But so far, six episodes in out of seven. It's a really solid eight and a half for me. And I'm hoping that after I watch the last episode tonight, it could be a nine. So I'll give you a, I'll give you an update on next week's show. But eight and a half for me, for sure. Perfect. And just reading there as well, it looks like there will not be a season two. So Lisa, you just got her hopes up for no. Sorry. Reason. See, that's why I'm going to give it a nine. Sorry. Finally, and I know, Lisa, you're itching at the moment to give us a synopsis of The High Note starring Dakota Johnson. Uh, and be nice, because it's COVID and we need these types of movies. But I am nice. Anyway, I am going to be nice because I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a sweet movie. You could see exactly what was going to happen from the start. But, you know, sometimes you kind of want the simple... Yeah, so I know where this is going to go and this is this is how this movie will be and I, it's not going to be too taxing on my brain and it's quite it's quite escapist I think uh, it's basically about Dakota Johnson is an up and coming wannabe music producer but she's actually stuck being an assistant to um Tracy Ellis Ross's character whose name I can't remember right now um, Grace Davis. She's a, I think it's is, Grace is she Davis to be a bit Diana Ross or something. Is she supposed to be what? Supposed to be what? Diana Ross. Yeah, basically. She's just a diva, you know? She's just a, a mm. regular old diva. So she um 
she meets this boy and she's or sorry when I say she I mean Dakota Johnson's character meets this boy and he's a great musician and she wants to produce him and then she's doing all the producey stuff and on the side she's doing the not on the side her real job is to be the assistant to um this diva singer lady um Grace Davis and then lo and behold I'm not going to do any spoilers because God forbid if anybody wants to watch it which maybe they do um it's just it's a simple movie not too taxing, lots of um, Hollywood real estate to drool over and nice uh, costumes, nice everything. It's just a nice, sweet movie, not too taxing. Give it a go. I think you're right. It's just it's just one of those movies that we need at the moment with all yeah, that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. But even when I saw the trailer, I thought it was going to be really good. I was really looking forward to it, but I thought had they more kind of the music element to it, I, it might have been a bit better, but there wasn't as much music. Uh, you know, like I thought it was going to be like similar, not like dramatic and sad, like A Star Is Born, but you know that kind of a this is the album being made sort of thing. But it wasn't really that. It was more the this is her gonna this is getting her big break, and then she maybe falls in love, and you know it's it's all it's yeah. it's sound. It's grand. Yeah, no, fair point. Because actually today I was on Spotify trying to see was there a playlist for the Queen's Gambit. Because the music in that, you know, it's not a, an original score. It's just a brilliant soundtrack to yeah. a brilliant era. But yeah, you would think, I suppose, that a movie like The High Note would have some memorable tunes from it. But it's not the case. But it's it's still an enjoyable movie, as you said. Yeah, definitely. Well, I just want to say that I'm glad you didn't make me watch The High Note. That's all. Because I, I just know <laughs> that I wouldn't enjoy it. I just know it. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it might be one you know, of those odd like, ones that you do, Dave. No, it just sounds like instant Maxwell House filmmaking. Just add water. Uh, you know, how to be successful. What What is it? The Secret of My Success, Michael J. Fox, 1987. Let's just remake that with music. It just sounds like nonsense to me. But anyway, thanks for not letting me. Thanks for not forcing me to watch it, guys. <laughs> Hold on. Are you giving off about a movie with an actor from my favorite movie of all time? and? A woman who was like my idol, being from Supergirl for years. You can't say. Oh, no, 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 pause. No, no, no. He's saying that this I am is not giving out about the secret of my music. success at all. I love that movie. <laughs> I'm saying this is just a hey, let's blow. They probably blew the dust off a old script of just, you know, I'm talking about like yeah. it's not even a remake, it's a copy of a remake. And let's just replace this. And it's just, I personally find these things lazy. That's why the Queen's Gambit is so good because it's, there's never been anything like it. Yeah. And do you know what's funny is out of the three things we reviewed, we keep going back to the Queen's Gambit. It says it all, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, quality nowadays is in short supply in, in the entertainment business. And, you know, we mentioned briefly uh, Wolf Walkers and we spoke about uh, Soul. And in the past, yeah. If, if an animation was, was nominated for a Golden Globe or an Oscar or whatever, and Disney Pixar were in the room, it was like, okay, it's in the bag for Disney Pixar. Well, I got news for you, Disney Pixar. This time it's not in the bag because if, if, if Soul wins any prize over Wolfwalkers, I will be furious because it's just, it'll be a complete fix because Wolfwalkers is by far and away a better product, better animation style, better storytelling, better characterization, better mythology, better structure of a film than the, you know, the mega monolith that is Disney Pixar. 
they can't always get it right. Disney Pixar is an amazing company. But, for example, this time around, they missed the mark and Wolf Walkers is splitting the arrow, to use a film uh, analogy, of the last, uh, you know, the high notes from, from Pixar. Uh, so, you know, that's why I'm just, I'm starting to get sick of all this Hollywood repetitive nonsense. So when I see something new, original, brave, like the, the Queen's Gambit or, or Wolf Walkers, I'm immediately on board and that adds an extra layer of kudos, respect. They had to push to get this made. They had to struggle with execs going, oh yeah, but we don't have an audience and we don't have any book or any website or any Instagram nonsense to tack this onto. You know what I mean? It's just an yeah, original yeah. idea. And that's why I, I saw the trailer for the high note and I was like, thank God Lisa and Gary took the bullet from me here. <laughs> yeah, well, even, even Wolf Walkers, comparing it to Soul, I mean, like, I was hooked. The moment where Robin is jumping through the, the roofs to kind of get back home, and I was so sucked into that moment, whereas I didn't get that with Soul. Do you exactly. get me? Exactly. That's yeah. exactly it, Gary. You weren't in. You didn't care. I, I like. I didn't care about any of the characters in Soul whatsoever. They were mildly entertaining, well animated and drawn really well, and you know, the realism of the world was amazing. Whereas it just shows you the story is king because the animation style in yeah. Wolfwalkers is not realistic. It's surreal. It's st- extremely stylized, but the story is so good. And obviously, you know, Will Collins is a friend of mine, personal friend of mine. Uh, but believe me, if he ever writes a bad script, I'll tell him, but he hasn't so far to my knowledge. And Wolfwalkers <laughs> script is so tight. The legend is so tight. And the animation style is just wonderful i think what's interesting is wolf walkers and soul both have the same rating at the moment on imdb wow. so it's neck and neck well, lisa the so high note out american of five people are, in soul were you know serious you know sorry go on i was asking lisa the high note out of five instead of out of ten <laughs> <laughs> and now i'll give it out of five that's really mean uh i'm gonna give no, it a three solid three out of five there are so six out of ten Six out of ten. All right. Very good. Yeah. Uh, and it's on Sky Cinema at the moment. Uh, okay. Well, that is it for this episode of Just Like in the Movies. The Golden Globes taking place the end of February. We will certainly be giving our reaction to the winners and the losers as well following that event. But Lisa and Dave, thank you as always. Pleasure. Pleasure as always. And we look forward to talking to you again next week where we will be reviewing another show that is uh, just up on Netflix as well as Gabriel Byrne's new TV show or miniseries called 000, which is starting this week on Sky Atlantic. So uh, tune in again on your favorite podcast platform next week for another episode of Just Like in the Movies. Take care. Bye-bye.